Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Thank you for joining me around the fireside tonight. My name is Joe, and I'm here to tell you a story. A series of stories written to spark the imagination. Stories of dragons and planes, of flies and farms, of kings and honey. Stories of goodness, gratefulness and friendship. Presenting Jacob's Tales, written by Loretta Yono. A charming storybook I heartily recommend picking up for yourself. You can find this on Amazon and support the author on Facebook. I really do hope you enjoy this wonderful collection of stories. If you'd like to hear more, please let me know by leaving a comment, a like or a review, or subscribing to whatever platform you are listening on. We are also crowdfunding for the continued existence and expansion of the show. Should you wish to get involved, please check out gofundme.com slash talesbythefireside. Everything you do and every interaction you make really does mean the world. Now please, get comfortable, let go of the daylight and join me for our story. Jacob's Tales by Loretta Yono. In a faraway country, there once lived a boy named Jacob, and he and his mum travelled to the Napland. They talked about planes, where and how high they were flying, until they both fell asleep. When Jacob and his mum returned home, they brought with them a tale and then another one, and another one, until they became Jacob's Tales. The Beauty of an Apple There was once a village. Inside this village was a place called Hedgehog Garden. It was called that because hedgehogs frequented it. Fall was a splendid season in the garden, 
Birds that hadn't yet left to fly south were chirping and beautiful apples were ripening. The hustle and bustle of winter preparations were all around. One apple tree in the garden was special. She produced amazingly tasty apples. One day, two friends met under that special apple tree. Two sharp-quilled hedgehogs, Tuki and Kuki. As always, they started rolling themselves, as well as the bright red apples, around in the grass. In the heat of the game, they saw it, shining in gold, red in the cheeks. It was the most beautiful apple from the special apple tree. In a blink, both Tuki and Kuki both dashed towards the stunner apple. They both reached the fruit at once, hugged it tightly and had not even the tiniest thought of sharing. Mine! No, mine! They screamed at each other. After a long row, they both became very tired. They sat under the apple tree and pondered on what to do with the apple. What are we going to do, Kooky? I'm thinking, said Kooky. You know, we could really use a third party. Someone wise, who decide to whom the apple belongs. Me or you. Oh, oh, I know. Let's go to the wise owl of the forest. Let's put the apple in the bag and go to her, suggested Tuki. That's a great idea, Tuki, Kuki said. And that's what they did. They put the apple into a bag and set off for the forest. That forest, unfortunately, was far away from the garden, so they had to walk many nights and days, through winds and through rain, over mountains and across rivers. One day, they finally reached the thickest part of the forest where the wise owl lived. Having met her, they stated their business and asked her to solve their quarrel. Having listened attentively, the grey-haired owl asked them to show her the beauty of an apple. The hedgehogs did as they were told, and yet, when they opened the bag and took the apple out, they were left aghast. The beautiful apple had no beauty left. It was rotten, through and through. You see, Tuki and Kuki, said the owl, as you both wanted the apple only to yourselves, you were left without it in the end. While you walked so long and far to reach me, instead of being good friends, sharing and enjoying the apple, it went bad through and through. Let this be a good lesson for you. The hedgehogs grew deeply sad as they realised how silly they had been. Upon thanking the owl for her wisdom, they started their trip back home to the hedgehog garden. Ever since then, they never quarrelled and happily shared all the tasty goods the garden had to offer. Fifi the Fly A very long time ago, a fly named Fifi lived on a farm in a village. She was a fun little creature, yet extremely chatty. The rest of the farm's inhabitants had had it up to here with her chattiness. Even the hens, Rin, 
Anne and Alice could not overcome her chatty nature with their clucking. Fifi was also proud of her ability to fly because none of the other residents at the farm were capable of that. She had a habit of proudly stressing how independent she was and how she could leave the farm whenever she wanted. One time, Rosie, the small fluffy sheep, tossed Fifi a question within earshot of the other animals. Fifi, ever since the farm came around, and ever since you came around for that matter, you keep talking about how independent you are and how you can just leave us on a whim. Now, why haven't you done that yet? Fifi the fly was extremely outraged by such a question. How dare Rosie ask this publicly when all the occupants of the farm, the hens, Anne, Rin and Alice, Bart the old horse, Curry the dog, Lily the kitty and everyone else could hear it. The others joined in on the questioning. Why? Why are you still here, Fifi? What do you mean, why? You wouldn't last a day without me. What? 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 We wouldn't last a day, clucked the hens, with a wave of roaring laughter rolling across the entire farm. Fifi the fly was very offended. Well, I'll show you, you silly hens, she threatened them in her mind, and then flew up to the attic of the barn to concoct her revenge scheme. The next morning dawned, and the inhabitants of the farm, as was the usual custom, greeted each other with a new day and went about their errands, eating and exercising. Fifi the fly flew to each and every one. She greeted them all, then landed next to Rin and whispered, Want me to tell you a secret? Just don't tell anyone, okay? Rin immediately was all ears. Tell me. Anne tells everyone you lay very bad eggs. She says they are small and inferior and that you're only taking up space on the perch. What, what, what? That is not true, Rin screamed. I'll show her. Meanwhile, Fifi zipped to Anne. Want me to tell you a secret? Just don't tell anyone, okay? Anne was also very interested. Tell me. Alice tells everyone you lay very bad eggs. She says they are small and inferior and that you're only taking up space on the perch. What, what, what? That is not true, Anne screamed. I'll show her. Then Fifi dashed to Alice and gave her the same story. Want me to tell you a secret? Just don't tell anyone, okay? Alice was curious, just like the others. Tell me. Rin tells everyone you lay very bad eggs. She says they are small and inferior and that you're only taking up space on the perch. What, what, what? That is not true, Alice screamed. I'll show her. Let those smarty pants cluck till they're blue in the face, thought the fly to herself malevolently. She took off with other things on her mind. Soon after, there was an unprecedented clamour at the farm. Everyone ran to the barn to check what was going on. What they found 
were the three hens, Rin, Anne and Alice, going at each other. They were clucking so loudly you couldn't make out a thing they were saying. But the old horse lost it and suddenly bled, Enough! That startled everyone. No one had ever heard Bart howl like that. Even the hens fell silent. Then Bart asked, What's the big deal, eh? We haven't had such madness ever since the farm started. Anne said my eggs are inferior, started Rin. I said no such thing, screamed Anne in an outrage. It's Alice who said my eggs were bad. She also said I do nothing but take up space. What? I never said that. It's Rin who gossiped about my eggs being bad. Alice could hardly contain herself. All the witnesses were very confused as to who said what to whom. But Bart the old horse had plenty of wisdom. He figured something was up. And who has told you all that? He asked the three egg layers. Fifi the fly, all three responded in a choir. Fifi was not expecting such a turn of events. What? No, they're lying, she said, immediately on the defensive. No, Fifi, that is not true. I heard exactly what you said to each of them, meowed Lily, the pretty kitty. Fifi the fly was left speechless. All the inhabitants of the farm were seriously angry with her. She got very frightened and, out of fear, she forgot how to fly, falling down into a pile of dung. After falling, dung got on her tongue, and that made her tongue numb. Ever since then, she wasn't able to say a word, and all her chattering was reduced to a buzz. And that is the story of Fifi the Fly. Little Jacob's Plain There once lived a grandpa and a grandma, and they had a little grandson named Jacob. Little Jacob loved playing with building blocks. He would play with them every day. He would build castles and towers, and one day he built a plane. It was so large and wonderful. He was immensely proud of his creation and kept running around the rooms with the sound of a roaring engine on his lips and the plane soaring high, held in his hand. Suddenly, there was a thundering noise. Little Jacob's plane turned into a real plane and flew out the window, far, far away. Little Jacob couldn't believe what just happened, and when he did believe, he was very sad. The boy kept walking from room to room with his head down and his spirits so low. The grandson's sombre mood did not go unnoticed by his grandma, who asked, Jacob, sweetie. Why are you so sad? The boy explained what had happened, but his grandma did not believe him. That made him even sadder. While he was walking around so very, very sad, his grandpa noticed that and asked, Jacob, my boy, why the long face? Little Jacob told his grandpa the story as well, yet he did not believe the boy just the same. That made Jacob completely 
and utterly sad. The boy sat by the window and watched the horizons towards which his plane had flown. That was how Peaches the cat found him. He asked little Jacob, Little Jacob, what has made you so sad? The boy told the cat the whole story, and Peaches listened to his friend very closely. When the boy finished, the cat said, You know what? I'm going to look for your plane. Little Jacob was ecstatic, not only because Peaches said he was going to find his plane, but also because someone finally believed his story. They waved goodbye to each other, and Peaches set off on his plane quest. He travelled over nine mountains and across seven seas, asking anyone and everyone he met along the way where little Jacob's plane was. No one had a clue, but one day he spotted a large whale in the deep blue sea. The cat thought to himself, I shall ask him too. You never know, he might have heard or seen something. Oh, great whale, king of the seas, have you not seen a magnificent plane flying by? The great whale replied, I did, and I saw more than one. Peaches jumped to the clouds, propelled by sudden joy. Do you know where they went? The whale sighed, then replied, Hmm... They all fly in the same destination, to the villainous dragon, whose voice has the power to turn planes constructed by children into real ones. He loves planes very much, and so he collects them. And do you perhaps have an idea how I could get to him? I do. The dragon lives beyond this sea, on an enormous mountain where many cacti grow. But no one has ever been able to make it to the top. Peaches started to think how he could overcome the mountain full of cacti. He remembered there was an old witch who was good at making costumes out of thick rubber. That's it, he thought. That's what I need to combat the army of spines. And so, he set off to the witch's place. The cat knew the witch was not going to make the costume for nothing, so he decided to catch some mice along the way. She could later use those for her magic. He found the witch deep in the woods and stated his business. After bargaining a price of a dozen mice, he got the rubber costume and continued his journey to the cruel dragon. After reaching the Cacti Mountain, he easily got through it with the help of the rubber costume. The dragon's palace was humongous and thick-walled, but it seemed deserted. There was dead silence around. Peaches kept going deeper and deeper. One gate followed another. Finally, he reached a large room and peeked through the keyhole to see the vicious dragon. The cat was very surprised by what he saw. The vicious dragon did not seem even a bit vicious. Instead, he seemed very sad. Peaches decided to not be afraid and go straight to the dragon. Whatever happens, happens, he thought. He went into the room and said, 
Oh dear, kind dragon, I have come to humbly ask you to give back my friend's plane. Little Jacob is dismal without it. The dragon nearly bit his tongue off after seeing his visitor was a cat in rubber, and he was even more surprised when he was addressed so politely for the first time in his life. He looked at the cat with his big eyes and murmured, You truly believe me to be good? Peaches replied, Yes, I believe that, and I think you're very sad in here, and you need friends. The dragon even got a tear in his eye. Would you be friends with me? Could we play with planes together? Of course, said Peaches, but these planes are neither mine nor yours. We cannot play with them. You must return them, because the children are unhappy without them, just as you are unhappy here when you are alone. The dragon looked deep in thought. But then, what are we going to play with? Peaches didn't even bat an eye. We will build our own planes. We shall ask my friend, little Jacob. He can teach us. The dragon smiled, showing his large teeth. I will return the kids their planes. I wanted them so badly. I hadn't thought children would become so sad without the planes. After saying that, he roared thunderously three times. Many planes went up into the sky, towards different places, back to their little creators. The dragon decided to bring little Jacob's plane back to him personally. The grandparents could not believe they were actually seeing a dragon, and on his back was a cat with little Jacob's plane in its paws. From now on, they decided they would always believe their grandson's stories. Little Jacob was very happy having retrieved his plane and he was also happy about Peaches being back and their new friend, the not-at-all-vicious dragon who just loved planes as much as the boy did. The Slacker and the Ant Once upon a time, in a faraway village, there was a father and a son. The father was very diligent. He would rise and go to sleep by the sun. And the son, to the father's dismay, was super lazy. He'd never help his dad with any of the jobs and he would roll around in bed till noon. He had no shame and no conscience. Once, the old man sat down in the field to take a breather from all the hard work. Oh dear me, why have I been given the burden of such a son? He lamented. Meanwhile, a hard-working ant heard his loud complaints. Pops, I know of your problems. Go to our queen. She can aid you, the ant said. The man was nice speechless, having heard an ant speak. Even more than that, she had offered to help. I must be seeing things and hearing things out of exhaustion, he thought. Yet the ant kept nonchalantly chatting in human language. Well, I guess I have nothing to lose. Having recovered a little, he decided to take the advice of the diligent ant and set off to look for her queen. He found her after a short while 
and laid out his troubles. The queen ant listened attentively and then said, Dear Pops, where have you been before? Do you think it easy to bend a fully grown tree? It is not, Queen. Right you are. Oh, well, I feel sorry for you, so I shall help. Here's my special jelly for you. You have to give it to your son. A spoon a day for three days. In three days, your son will turn into one of us for seven days and will work here in the ant hill. After those seven days, to your great joy, he will turn back and be a true hard worker. The father rejoiced greatly, thanked the queen ant and went home, ready to save his son from laziness. He gave him a spoon of jelly for two days. Yet alas, he forgot it on the third. In great terror, the old father hurried to the queen ant and asked what should be done. Oh, Pops, what have you done? Now your son will forever be a slacker during the day, and at night he will turn into an ant to do work in the ant hill. The man grabbed his head, understanding the gravity of his mistake. Your son can only be saved by a girl who falls in love with him, the queen said, running off to attend to her labour. Who would fall in love with such a slacker? Where can I find such a girl? The father sighed deeply and returned home to his lazy son. And so, it was just like the queen ant said. The son was a slacker during the day, and at night he would turn into an ant and run off to bust his behind in the ant hill. One day, when the old father was working in the field, a young girl showed up and addressed him. Sir... Would you happen to have any work for an orphan? I work hard and eat little, she asked meekly. The old man felt sorry for her. It is work that I have plenty of, but hands to do it a few. I would be happy to have an assistant. The maiden was indeed as hard working as they come. She rose and went to bed with the son. The lazy son once saw her and fell in love at first sight. He told that to his father and admitted he would like to marry the girl. Son, in order to marry her, she has to fall for you. Thus, you must be no less diligent than she is. Otherwise, she will never even cast a glance your way. I will do anything for her, exclaimed the young lad, determination in his voice. The next morning, as soon as he returned from the ant hill, he was the first to bend his back. Upon seeing this, the father found it impossible to believe in the change that happened to his only child. His heart was happy. The lad was working sunrise to sunset, day after day. It did not take long for the maiden to take notice of the hard-working son, and shortly thereafter she fell in love with all her heart. Ever since the day she laid her pretty eyes on him, as soon as she fell in love with him, with her rosy cheeks and fluttering heart, the sun no longer turned into an ant that would run off to work at the anthill during the night. It was exactly as the queen ant said it would be. In a short while, the father had a splendid wedding feast ready. The son was no longer a slacker. He lived happily ever after with his girl. They fostered the farm 
with their hard-working hands and there were many grandchildren for the grandfather to be happy about. The Dream of Ugg the Ant One day, Ugg the Ant dropped everything he was doing and looked at the sky. He liked looking at the sky, exploring what was going on there. He especially liked watching the pretty winged butterflies. Oh, I would love to be a butterfly, have pretty wings and be able to fly, he thought to himself. Hey, daydreamer, it's time to get some work done, Ugg's friend Og called out to him. Then he asked, Ugg, why do you keep ogling those butterflies? Do you have a dream, Og? No, I don't. And why would I ever need a dream, Ugg? Well, I do. I want to be a butterfly. A what? <laughs> well, would you just listen to that? He wants to be a butterfly. Yeah, what's so wrong about it? They have pretty wings and can fly, muttered Ugg sadly and went back to work with his head down. Og saw how depressed his friend was and started to think how he could help his daydreaming buddy. And then he remembered. Wait, we have a sorcerer in the anthill. Her name is Ag. She should be able to help my pal. He finished up his work and ran to the sorcerer. She, like all the other ants in the anthill, was busy with work, preparing medicine and all kinds of special ointments that would have sick ants back on their feet in no time. Seeing Og, Ag the sorcerer seemed surprised. You don't look sick. What brings you here? Og stated the reason for his visit. I never thought there would be enough time for dreaming in our anthill where one work is chasing another. Isn't he happy being the member of the oldest, most diligent family around? Isn't that a dream? It seems not. Can you help in any way, Miss Ag? Yes, I can help, but there will be no way back. You can tell him that right now. Having received an answer, Og flew straight to Ugg to tell him what Ag had said. Ugg could not believe his ears. My dream shall come true. Woohoo! But keep in mind there will be no way back. Once turned into a butterfly, you will not be able to go back to being a splendid little ant. It doesn't matter, Og. I will be flying. And what about your family? What about me, your friend? You are going to leave us forever. Do you understand that? It doesn't matter. I will be flying. Ugg could not contain his joy and ran straight to Ag the sorcerer. She gave him a magical potion and told him to drink it before sunrise. She also reminded him there would be no way back. Ugg the ant assured her he understood and ran home to anxiously wait for the sunrise. The next morning, just as the sun rose, Ugg drank the entire potion, precisely as the sorcerer told him to. And the miracle did happen. Ugg, the little ant, turned into a beautiful butterfly. He grew wings, radiant with all the colours of the rainbow. He flapped them and rose up to the sky. The entire anthill came to watch the spectacle. Some admired him. 
others were in awe, and others expressed dissatisfaction. Yet Ugg kept scraping the blue skies left and right, observing the beauty of the earth from above. Meanwhile, his friend Og shed a tear. He was sad about no longer being able to run around and work with his friend. That used to be so fun. And so, one day had passed. Then another. Ugg kept flying and flying around. Yet, he was missing something. Sitting on a leaf, he kept thinking what it could be. He thought, then thought some more. And then it hit him. I know. I'm missing my buddy Og. And my family. And the anthill. It's so much fun to fly. But what's good from my dream if the ants dearest to me are not around? Why didn't I consider there would be no way back? He flapped his wings and flew to his buddy Og. Og, Og, it's me, Ugg, he shouted upon seeing his friend. How are you holding up? Oh, Ugg, it's good to see you. I'm doing fine, but we all have missed you greatly. It's not the same without you around. I know, pal. I miss all of you as well. I regret not having thought everything through. Could you please go to Ag and ask if there is, perhaps, any sort of way we could fix everything? All right, Ugg. I'll go and ask. I'm very happy to see you, Ugg replied and ran straight to the sorcerer. Ag the sorcerer said this upon seeing Ugg. I've been waiting for you to return. Has your friend changed his mind? I told him there would be no way back. Not even a teeny weeny way, asked Og hopefully. He must be a really dear friend if you chose to go through so much for him. Oh yes, Miss Ag. It is a true treasure to have a friend like you, Og. There is a teeny weeny way. He can stay at the anthill and help us with our work, but unfortunately he will not be able to turn back into an ant, said Ag cheerlessly. Og returned to Ugg and told him the sorcerer's words. You'll probably want to leave us and fly away with your new family, the butterflies. No, Og, I'm staying. This is my family and you are my best buddy. This is my home. Really, Ugg? Og asked, bursting with joy. Really? I did not consider how dear all of you are to me. My dream is worthless if I cannot share it with those I cherish the most. From then on, every day, you could see the same splendid butterfly hovering over the large ant hill. Two kings and a barrel of honey. Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, there were two kings. Their kingdoms neighboured each other. One of the kings ruled wisely. His kingdom was prospering, the people were well fed and loved their ruler, and the other was the opposite. He was a true tyrant. His kingdom was drowning in poverty, the people were revolting and one disaster followed another. That evil king was very envious of the good one. One day he sent his aide to spy on why his neighbour was doing so well. The aide travelled to the kingdom next door, sniffed out every little detail, talked to a dozen peasants and servants of the wise king 
and returned to the tyrant, bearing the news. Well, tell me what you've learned, said the tyrant anxiously. My liege, I have questioned a dozen peasants and servants, and here is what I have learned. It is said that our royal neighbour keeps a magical barrel of honey deep down in his cellars, secured with nine, or perhaps ninety-nine, locks. Every seven days he goes down to the cellar, takes a ladle full of the honey, and eats it. They say that it is the honey that grants him the wisdom to rule his country, thus his great success. Ah, so that's his game. I knew the fool had a secret behind his amazing success. Gather all the best warriors and the most cunning thieves. I need that barrel of honey. And so the aide did as he was told, and per the king's request, he ordered the best warriors and the most cunning thieves to steal the magical barrel of honey. Everyone set off to the neighbouring kingdom to do the dirty deed of their leader. Having waited for the night to fall, the warriors put the guards and servants of the kingdom to sleep, reached the deepest cellars and broke nine, or perhaps ninety-nine, locks. They found what they came for, the magical barrel with the honey of wisdom. They grabbed it and returned to the eagerly awaiting tyrant. The following morning, the good king had his head in his arms and was filled with great terror. Oh gods, how shall I be able to rule my nation now? What is to come of my kingdom? Drowning in grief, he enclosed himself in his rooms and his domain faced grim times. Meanwhile, the neighbouring tyrant could not sit still. So happy he was upon receiving the long-awaited barrel of honey. You just watch me. Now I shall be the wisest king. The entire world will be jealous of my wisdom. And so he started to eat the honey in ladlefuls. And what came next, boy oh boy, was disaster after disaster. There was a plague of snakes throughout the country, and the yield was so measly people could not remember another one like that happening ever before. The sun was no longer shining, and it was perpetually covered with clouds, and the tyrant himself was struck with horrible illnesses. Why, why, why is that honey not working? Why have I and my country befallen such horrific calamities? Could it be that I'm eating it wrong? With that, the angry king sent his aide back to the neighbours to find out. The aide again questioned a dozen peasants and servants, received the required information and returned to his ruler. Well, tell me what you have learned. Oh, my liege, I have learned there to be no special recipe for consuming the honey. There exists, however, a single condition that must be met for the magic to work and for the consumer to gain wisdom. What is it? Tell me. For the wisdom of the honey to work, the one eating it must be of good heart. If the heart happens to be malevolent, the honey will bring nothing but catastrophe. Thus, if we do not return this barrel we shall surely perish. The tyrant was stiffened by great horror, above all for his own demise. He gathered the same crooks who stole the barrel and ordered them to return it immediately. As soon as the magical honey barrel was returned to its rightful place, 
everything was back to normal. The good king kept ruling his country with great wisdom, and his people were happy. Meanwhile, the tyrant hired a plethora of aides who had to teach him how to have a good heart. And what do you think? Can one learn that? The Umbrella Once, a hard-working farmer lived in a village together with his family. His farm was impeccable, an example to the whole village. The farmer and his family would rise together with the very first rays of the sun in order to make it through all the daily work on time. The animals were tended to, the fields were in order, and the granaries were full of crops. The fruits of his labour brought great joy to the farmer's heart, and the diligent spouse and kids were a true consolation. Unfortunately, one day, great downpours befell the village. The rain was so heavy that fields with all the crops and the animals were all but swimming away. The farmer lost everything his hard-working hands produced in no more than a few days. He cried. His spouse and his children also cried. Heavens, for what sins have you sent me such calamities? How have I transgressed that you've decided to have a punishment so heavy fall upon me and my family, he wailed while looking up into the sky. Yet there was no response from the heavens but the pattering of the rain. As he was sitting in the fields and lamenting his losses, there was suddenly a voice behind his back. Why are you sitting there, soaking wet and sobbing so sadly? Have you lost something? Turning around, the farmer saw an old man with a strange cane. Slightly annoyed, he fired back, Well, can't you see all my fields and nothing but water? This cursed downpour has left me with nothing. No crops and no animals. How will I survive now? How am I going to feed my family? Not a pleasant experience indeed, but maybe the sky can teach you a valuable lesson, said the old man, speaking in a slow, hoarse voice. Old man, do not anger my heart any more. There is enough ire in it as it is. What kind of lesson could this be? It's the most severe punishment. Go away, shouted the farmer. I feel for you, and I would like to help. And how in the world can you help me, old man? You'll have to trust me and do exactly as I say. Here, take this umbrella, said the old man, giving his strange cane to the astonished farmer. Every morning, as soon as you get out of bed, you are to open it. While standing underneath, you must find something you are thankful for. But remember, this ritual has to be repeated each and every morning. You've got to be joking. The farmer couldn't believe his ears. I have no time for such nonsense. And even then, what should I be thankful for? As you wish, I'm leaving the umbrella to you and I shall return for it in a few days. After that, the old man walked away. The farmer sat in the fields for quite a while after that and set off towards home when it got dark. He took the old man's umbrella with him. I'll put it somewhere safe. He said he'd come back for it, the farmer thought. Thus, a new morning dawned, and yet there was no work. 
everything was lost. The farmer was just sitting there, looking at the umbrella he received from the strange old man the day before. He kept looking at it, and when no one was home, he put it up, stood underneath, and started to think. What should I be thankful for, he thought, and then thought some more. Oh, I know. I'll give thanks for my wonderful wife. Thank you. He smiled to himself, closed the umbrella, and put it under the bed. The farmer walked outside, and would you look at that? The clouds seemed to have dispersed a little, and some light appeared to be shining through. As he stood there and kept looking around, what do you know? There was his beloved cow, walking back home unscathed. The farmer rejoiced. The heavens showed us pity. My dear family will have some milk on the table. Maybe the old man's umbrella indeed has some sort of powers, he thought to himself. The next morning, while standing under the umbrella, the farmer gave thanks for his cow. And oh, what a miracle! Walking outside, he saw all his crops completely intact untouched by the rain. And so the farmer gave thanks every morning. Due to this gratitude, the farm not only returned to its former glory, but grew even bigger. The farmer rejoiced over his farm, and he took great pride in the plentiful yield. Alas, all this good stuff got to his head, and he forgot to give thanks every day. Shortly thereafter, a terrible storm crashed into the village and flooded the whole farm again. And again, the farmer was left with nothing. Again, he sat in the fields wailing, and suddenly, as if on cue, he heard the same hoarse voice behind his back. I have come for my umbrella. Oh, old man! Upon seeing him, the farmer understood he had forgotten what he had been told to do. How could I have forgotten to give thanks each and every morning? I have failed to do it daily, and here I am, struck by a disaster again, he lamented. Please, old man, leave the umbrella to me for a little while longer, the farmer pleaded with him. The old man smiled and said, You have no need for the umbrella any more. All you need is to remember to be thankful, and you already know how to do that. Having spoken those words, the old man disappeared never to be seen again. The farmer no longer forgot to say thank you each and every morning. His farm recovered, kept growing larger and more abundant, and no disaster ever befell him. Such is the story. Only, do you think it was the words, thank you, that were responsible for all those miracles? The end. Good night. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.